0: I think we've really built our school into a really great pathway school for hospitality um, with an emphasis on um, culinary arts too.
1: Welcome to the Hashtag Proud to be LBSD podcast series. I'm your host, Christopher J. Itson, and today I have the privilege of speaking with LBUSD educator Carolyn Dahl from Browning High School. Today we'll be learning about the amazing career technical education programs at Browning that focus on the hospitality industry and some of the new things that are happening at the school that are pretty amazing. So Chef Dahl, thank you for joining us today and welcome to the studio.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here and get to talk about our
1: school. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get right into it. So first question is, what courses do you teach at Browning? How did you end up there? Give us, paint us a little picture about you um, and your roles at the school.
0: Okay. So I actually, prior to me working at Browning, I wanted to get into teaching and I um, was working actually in a pastry kitchen in downtown Los Angeles. And I was at a place in my life where I, or at that job where I was like, I need to move on I'm had spent too much time here, and I'm feeling really stagnant, and I need a new challenge. And I just happened to get a call from um, Dr. Anderson, and so it was kind of like fate um, for me. And then I, I, you know, I came to Browning and um, have been working there since. So it was really, really kind of like a perfect moment in my life for me to start working because I was at a place where I was like, I need to do something different. I need to do something challenging. This is actually what I want to do, but I was very fearful because I hadn't really done much of teaching. So it was very challenging and very um, just new, Um, but I wanted to get into it. And I had wanted to get into it um, ever since I went to culinary school. I went to culinary school um, at Le Cordon Bleu and I was in awe of the chef instructors. I'm like, I want to do this. I loved it so much. I had so much fun at culinary school that I'm like, if I could do something like this and just instill this passion and like fulfill all of the the questions that I had and all of – I wanted to learn everything technical about – about it and I and I got to. So all of the questions I had, I was able to get answered. Not only that, but it was so hands-on that it was so much fun. So I just, I loved it and that's what that's what I wanted to do. So that's why I started to um, look into teaching. And so that's why I ended up at Browning and I love it there. Um, it was definitely challenging at first. It is, you know, when I started there, it was their first year at Browning, brand new school. Um, a lot of growth, a lot of obstacles that we had to overcome, but I think we've really built our school into a really great pathway school for hospitality, um, with an emphasis on, um, culinary arts too. So it's really just been, um, it's been a, a very fun, but challenging road, um, so far. And I think that our school is just going to be, uh, really amazing. So that's awesome. Like, yeah. And it's
1: so cool to, to hear those two passions kind of brought together because, yeah. I mean, you, if you're from the culinary world, you, you go to be a chef, you know. But seeing that you had this passion for education at the same time, that's really exciting. I worked in the restaurant business for a briefly before I worked in, in education. And so I feel that passion of um, – I got to do a lot of training um, front of the house stuff, so not not on the cooking side and stuff. But so teaching was a natural fit because it just – it lent into that work of instructing people. So that's so cool to hear. Like what an exciting – Exciting uh, route that you've taken.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I teach at Browning, I teach um, Culinary Arts 1, which is the first, like the introduction class into culinary. And I also teach a baking and pastry course, which is for um, basically... We have a course of sequence, so it's culinary arts one, two, and three. And then if students decide to, they can take an optional course of baking and pastry, which I teach. That's usually for seniors. Okay. So it's an optional course. They don't have to take it, but if they really want to kind of delve into the baking and pastry side and really getting into that, um, I teach that course. And I just, this is our first year as senior, so it's my mm-hmm. first year teaching this course, which has been really fun. We have gotten amazing uh, equipment for uh, the baking class. So I'm super excited to finally be back on campus and get to actually use it. Um, so uh, we just started making things like eclairs and patashou to make, um, you know, cream puffs. And um, I'm hoping that we can get our sheeter going so we can start doing like laminated doughs and making things like croissants and all kinds of fun pastries. But I also, I, I don't, I didn't teach it this year, but I also would teach um, the introduction to hospitality course as well as geography for tourism, which is more in our hospitality, tourism, recreation pathway. Um, and those classes basically teach and, you know, coming into high school, you don't really know much about tourism at all. At all. The term hospitality, they instantly link it with hospitals. Mm. They don't understand what hospitality is and it's, you know, the whole concept of essentially like serving people, right? And customer service and and so um, we ha- we, that's what the inter- Introduction to Hospitality course is all about, is really teaching our students what that means, what hospitality is, what the tourism industry is, um, and the different sectors of entertainment, lodging, uh, travel, and, and all of those things. So um, really kind of giving them like a real basis of that. And then they, as one of their culminating projects, they end up creating a whole vacation uh, for like four students. Okay. So um, it's it's kind of a really great introduction for them. I've never really understanding the, what happens to planning a trip to actually having to plan a trip. Mm.
1: So that's interesting. So do, do students go through both sequences at the beginning and then kind of pick where they want to go? Like if yes. I come in, I, I'm in a hospital, that hospitality geography class, and then I'm in the introductory class for cooking?
0: Absolutely. Okay. So they get to take both um, because essentially the, those are the two pathways that we have. Mm-hmm. We are The overarching pathway is hospitality, tourism, recreation, but within it, there is the hospitality, tourism, recreation sector, as well as the food service sector. So um, they get to take a culinary arts one and the hospitality courses. And um, after that, they can kind of choose which pathway is more suitable for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we're also... um, We have articulated our culinary um, arts courses, our culinary arts one and two with um, Long Beach City College's Cooler 20, which is their introductory course. Mm -hmm. So at the end of their sophomore year, if they continue on with culinary, they can take um, a credit by exam course and actually earn units at LBCC too.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. And is that from the beginning, was that design or is that kind of a new...
0: That's something that we had designed from the beginning. So I think we started working on that the first year, and then finished the articulation going into our second year at Browning.
1: That is awesome. Yeah. That's so cool too when we talk about that career technical education and providing all of these different pathways once students are out of high school. You know, we mm-hmm. talk about colleges is, is a very important um, avenue for some people, but for some people it's not. And so to have those certifications and those, those other other opportunities on the way. I think that's really cool. And so that lends to, I know you're, that that there's been a focus this year on the school transitioning to the early college promise. What's the the term?
0: Early college. Early college. Yeah. So we are uh, moving into early college. This was our first year into it. So uh, essentially our freshmen are part of the early college program. Mm -hmm. Um, And what that means is that throughout their courses, not only in their articulated culinary course, but also in their hospitality course. Actually, the freshmen this year, at the end of the school year, once they've completed both hospitality courses, they can take a credit by exam and earn um, LBCC credits for the hospitality sector. Um, And then there's also they can choose to take additional um, courses that are essentially Long Beach or LBCC courses, and earn college credit throughout the entire four years at Browning. And um, if they choose to do this and they they really want a very rigorous program, they can choose the ADT path, which is the associate's degree to transfer Hmm. and graduate with a high school diploma as well as um, an associate's degree from Long Beach City College so that's it's really a really cool program um it's obviously for a student that is like very you know very, like really into rigor and like really wanting to get those credits and um have something under their belt when they graduate from from browning mm-hmm. which is really um it's a really cool program
1: yeah, that's fantastic I mean just to just that's so cool to think yeah. of if I'm a student who just I, I wanna I wanna be engaged through high school and so I'm in this small thematic high school and I'm you know, I'm learning about hospitality and maybe I'm not gonna go into that, but I have this rich experience versus your student who You know, they walk into school going, this is what I want to do. Or after they take your first class and they go, this is everything. And just to give them that bridge, Mm -hmm. that's amazing.
0: Yeah. And so we also, in in the first year, they take the food handlers exam so that they're prepared if they want to start working, they can. They already know kind of the ins and outs of how to be in a kitchen, food safety, sanitation. And in all honesty, entry-level positions when you're in high school most likely is going to be in food service. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our students have been working or started working um, because they have the experience Experience. And um, especially now, when you know, there's just food, the industry is kind of popping back up, yeah. um, and people are really looking to hire. Uh, so, our students we had a little job fair um, for them a couple weeks ago, and a lot of them got hired like on the spot, which mm-hmm. was really cool. We just did it just for our industry, so it was like hospitality, a lot of restaurants, um, and it was really cool um, to have that experience for them. You know, that we, I think we were on campus for maybe the week, a week. I think we did on April 20th. And so, um, yeah, the students, it was great. They got to come on campus. I mean, we did it socially distanced. We had these big round tables and they sat across from each other. But um, it was great. And we have students that have been, you know, continuing to get hired at other places because of it too, because just because of like the networking and reaching out. So it's been really great.
1: That's really cool. That yeah. I- and for everyone at home, I'm. It's a morning, so I'm drinking my coffee religiously while I do this. But that's. Um, so tell me about because I, I heard a little bit about that event and how cool that is, and especially what a great time, right? Coming back as you're saying, as restaurants are slowly starting to emerge out right. of kind of this, this terrible time. But um, what's what's your connection to industry, like as a school? Like, do you have a lot of partners, advisory board? Yeah. What, tell us tell us a little bit about that. We part. have
0: an amazing advisory board, and we put the advisory board together our first year, and you know. Kind of like they—they they knew that this is a new school, and they really wanted to be as involved as possible to mm-hmm. help us with with all of this. So we have great partners um, that are really in the you know, in every single aspect of the industry. So the restaurant industry, hotel industry, hospitality industry. Um, our chairperson is Jeff Forney, who is—I um, think he's like the vice president of marketing at the Long Beach CBB, mm-hmm. and. Um, He's our chairperson. We also have a really great relationship with Hoffman Hospitality, which is the owners of um, St. Second, Hoff's Hut, and Lucille's Barbecue. Mm. And um, our, our advisory board member is um, Chef Shelley. She's the executive chef there. We also have great relationships with a ton of hotels. We have Silvano Merlot, who's the GM for the downtown Courtyard Marriott. Mm. And... Um, just we just have a ton of really great industry partners. Dr. Bletcher, who is he runs the hospitality department at Cal State Long Beach, um, Chef Haley, who is the culinary department at Long Beach City College. Mm-hmm. So we have these great connections and really great people all over the industry um, that really help us kind of make these real-world connections for our students and allow us to have these great events because without them you know we have like they're the ones that are coming and mentoring our students and saying yeah maybe we're not looking but I will be here to talk to you about your resume tell you what you're doing right or what you're doing wrong how you can make you know your your elevator pitch better whatever it may be um, send me a resume I know somebody that might be looking hmm. they're the ones that are reaching out to all of their friends that are looking and you know they're network and bringing them to these events for us. So it's been really great. And we have such a great board. They really wanna help. They, you know, they they donated gift cards. So we had raffles to just try and, um you know, kind of get more people involved. I, I know that it was the very beginning of when we came back. So I know some students were a little hesitant on doing an in-person mm-hmm. um, event. So we were, you know, they gave us raffles. They had We had gift cards from, like, Lucille's Barbecue, who doesn't want that? Um, you know, and just, like, really cool things like that. So um, it was amazing. Like, we had a great response. The kids got dressed up. They brought resumes. They had their elevator pitches ready to go, which was something that we had did with um, – with Anetta Leone, she had set, put together these career modules for our students, where they had um, a course where they learned how to, you know, set up their resume, and they were they were taught how to write up their elevator pitches, and and they had them all printed out. It was really cute, and you know, they were like ready to go. So it was really, really a cool event, and it went really well. I think that a lot of the kids, it was it's also practice for them, for them to get to talk to somebody that they, you know, that's a professional that they've never had a chance to talk to, because we open it up to all levels from mm-hmm. ninth to 12th grade. So it was really great.
1: That's cool. And that low risk, right? That if, yeah. it's, this is, this is part, of, I can, if I'm really nervous, I can see this as, this is just a learning experience as exactly. part of school versus, I don't know, you, I'm sure everybody who's ever interviewed for a job at 16 remembers being terrified and not being prepared back in yeah. the day where now you're giving these kids, these real world schools. And I know Anetta, who's the work-based learning coordinator, right? For the mm-hmm. district. I think that's your title. Um, that's awesome to see to hear. Just, uh, just, I'm just picturing that her support and that district support, but then also you're you're tapping into people who are actually doing this for a living. Exactly. Know? What a rich experience for your kids to have.
0: And the great thing too is we forefronted all of the industry members that came, or you know anybody that's involved in the industry. We told them, you know, this is these are going to be students here that are able to work and aren't able to work, but overall this is essentially like an educational experience for them. Yes, you can have a job fair, and if you want to hire our students. Amazing. But first and foremost, this is an educational experience. We want them to learn how to talk to you, how to ask questions, how to learn more about your industry. And they were all for it. Hmm. So it was really kind of a a really cool thing because the industry partners were so open to doing that and giving us, you know, an hour and a half of their time to just sit there and talk with our students.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. And they always love that, huh? Yeah. Uh, we've worked with did, done a little bit of link learning work and working with the industry partners when you get them around the students and mm-hmm. they get to see that excitement in, in the students, that's always the the coolest thing. So, I want to I want to come back to that cuz I want to ask you a question about uh, about the pandemic, but before we get that, let's go back a year and a half ago. Okay. What's it, what's it like in your class? I'm a student and I come in, what am I going to experience? So, I have my nose in a book the whole time. What, what's your course like when when we're talking about the culinary side?
0: So, Pre-pandemic, um, it was f- mostly front-loading, so we would learn different aspects of – because I teach, cu- like, an introduction course to culinary. So for the introduction course, it would be some front-loading where you're learning some basics, you're learning terminology, you're learning about cooking styles and cooking methods, and then we'd take that and apply it into our kitchen. So it would be, like, a front-loading within hands-on activities. So if it was something like – we did a – I think right before the pandemic hit, we had done Um, I did this like mystery box challenge. And so we just learned different styles of cooking methods. So whether it be like uh, boiling or sauteing or baking, whatever it may be, um, I gave them a a mystery box ingredients where they had Hmm. to create recipes and utilize at least three different cooking methods, dry heat cooking method, moist heat cooking method, one in at least each of those categories and uh, create a dish with it. So it was a way for them to create something but also apply their knowledge. Um, and so they ended up all making – we we did this recipe challenge. We, so it was like a mystery box challenge where they had to research and come up with recipes. And then we all picked one recipe for them to do. And they ended up making um, orange chicken over rice, which was really fun. Um, and so we did that. And then, you know, we do all different kinds of things where it's mostly front-loading and then they get to just – do a bunch of hands. And they
1: actually cook? Yeah, they cook everything. so awesome.
0: I do a demonstration and then they do, they cook.
1: And do do they partner up or do they, is it all individual pieces? They partner
0: up. We, um, our kitchen has about six small kitchens. So they partner up. So depending on however many students I have in the class, I split them up so that there's enough You know whether it be four people per group or whatever it may be, and they each have roles. So essentially, they have their own little kitchen team where it's there's a head chef and then there's a sous chef and Hmm. then there's you know the prep cook and then so they they all have different different roles and positions and then they just rotate every time we're in the kitchen. So everyone gets to be the head chef and everyone has to be the dishwasher Hmm. and whatnot. That's what I was gonna
1: ask you because I I geek out on that idea how how you they choose the positions. Yeah, it's it's a rotation and so
0: once they once we have kitchen teams, they kind of stick with those teams. And I tell them that like, this is your this is your kitchen. This is your kitchen from the start of the year to the end of the year. So even if it's your friend, you might want to pick somebody that you work well with instead yeah. of you might. If it's your friend, you might get mad at them. Yeah. <laughs> so I tell them that from the beginning, and you know things happen. But I do rotations. So I say this person was the head chef this time, and we just rotate. And I just, you know, we do rotations every time we're in the, in the lab.
1: And that's cool. And what, what neat real-world experience you think of working on a line in a restaurant and mm-hmm. where you start, you know, to where you, if you want to be a chef, it's not like you just walk in and you're like, I'm the head chef. Exactly. And so getting them to experience it, that's cool. So, right. so they have this rich hands-on experience where you provide them all this context and front-loading, and then you actually, they're, at, they're able to practice this and, and really develop these real-world skills. What the heck did that look like during the pandemic?
0: Oh, man. During the pandemic, it was... In the beginning, so the end of last year was rough. Um, I did a lot of, you know, just trying to figure out how do we do this virtually. So um, there wasn't a lot of like, hey, let me go buy stuff and you can pick it up. There was none of that. All of the schools were closed. Mm -hmm. So it was like, what can I do with products that they may or may not have at home? And so it was doing a lot of like, um, I think we did like the Dalgona coffee, you know, like who has you know, freeze-dried coffee and some sugar and water. These are some easy ingredients. And so we, everyone made little, like, almost like TikTok videos of, mm-hmm. like, how they made their coffee. We did, you know, simple things. Like, I did a lot of uh, demonstrations and recorded them and then just had them, if they wanted to do it, they could. And and then they would do, like, Flipgrid videos or um, screencast and record them and then, like, basically send them back to me. So that's how we did it in the beginning of the, or I wish, I should say at the end of last year a lot of like demonstrations, um, and then trying to do things that were simple, like things that you may have in your kitchen, tortillas, making things like that, that were really easy to make, but also learning, you know, how you are essentially like hydrating flour and creating gluten and doing all of these things. So it was it was a struggle. Um, but then this year, um, since we were able to have like kits and things like that, we would do a little bit more like, okay, if you have it or if you want it, I can have it there for you, you can pick it up at school and you can cook with me. And so, you know, some kids would and they'd turn their cameras on and we'd be in our home kitchens cooking together, which was really fun. Um, And then, you know, some kids don't have the access to their kitchens and can't necessarily do things like that and they just watch. And so instead of them being able to do the hands-on, they do a different kind of like a... Um, like they follow along with like a worksheet where they're basically telling me about, you know, which which aspect of this does it, does it hit our learning target? Which aspect of this, you know, or what are you learning? Which cooking method are we using? What are the ingredients that we're putting in here? And um, to, you know, kind of deepen their understanding, they can take this particular demonstration and like create a new recipe. They can do their own storyboard. They can maybe do their own kind of like, audio of it and like instead of making a recipe like talk about it and like really just deepen their understanding in different ways so that's what we did virtually Mm. and um, I would record every demonstration I did so that you know students always had a way to go back and look at it and um, some kids made it which was awesome Some kids didn't, Um, but it was, it was still fun. I mean, it was, it was interesting for me because I was in my home kitchen. So I felt very like exposed and like, this is my home. (laughs) This is my kitchen. (laughs) This is everything, you know? So it was really, it was a neat experience because. Uh, you know, normally you would never. You're, I don't know. And it's your students don't normally see your home kitchen. Yeah, that's, you your know? Sep- that's your that's yeah. your your
1: safe space that's separate from that. You yeah. have this beautiful kitchen at work, and yeah. totally change. That's so cool though to hear. Even for your students who maybe didn't have, you know, the equipment or the ingredients, doing some serious evaluation then and some synthesis out of that. That's really awesome to kind of. Mm-hmm. I just I, I was thinking about that before this morning driving in about how. You know, if you're teaching kids to cook, how the heck, what do you do? You know, at, it means, like you're saying, they don't all have the same resources at home right. or the same – we actually
0: purchased a bunch of just very basic equipment and tools for the students so that if they wanted to, but they didn't have measuring cups or measuring spoons, we bought these kits for them. Hmm. So there were two two mixing bowls. We had spatulas, measuring cups, liquid measuring cups, measuring spoons, um, like fish spatula, cutting boards, all kinds of things. We put them in these little kits so that if they wanted to cook, but didn't have the equipment to do it, here you go. Hmm. So we, we had those for them too, just trying to make it as accessible as possible for those students that wanted to, but maybe didn't feel like they had sufficient equipment at home mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. And then some kids just can't use the kitchen because their parents won't
1: let yeah, them. Yeah, They're like, you can do that at school, but not in my yeah. kitchen. And then that's interesting because I, I feel like... From the, you know, the when we first went out, that it, how challenging that was, but then it sounds like you had some time, you know, you and your team to kind of plan what, what was it going to look like for this year. So with that, what are some lesson learned or, I mean, you talked, to, you said it multiple times about recording mm-hmm. everything you did. Mm-hmm. Is there anything coming out of this virtual, full virtual teaching that you're going to keep doing or is it yeah. part of your practice when we're all back in action?
0: I actually think that recording demonstrations are really important to do. Um, and because, you know, I teach the same class over and over again i i try to record every single one and then i put I, I will publish so if i you know teach it in second period this second period gets this demonstration it's not like a one and done thing because mm-hmm. um you know there's times where you don't do everything the same every single time yeah and there might be one that's much better than the other so i try to record all of my what well, i did when we were doing virtual mm-hmm. now i need to get better at doing it it's Teaching, um, in person and virtually is very difficult. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that for all the teachers out there because I know they agree with me. Um, it's been very difficult uh, just to kind of like get used to. You know, um, kind of juggling two different things is really hard. Mm-hmm. I think that everybody knows that we're going to instantly be drawn to the humans in our classroom, so it's very. I know that I feel inadequate sometimes that I'm not providing the same attention that I was to my my Zoom kids and I am to my in-person kids. So I definitely want to do some more recording because I think that I can ref- watch it myself and reflect mm. and say, "Hey, I need to do this," you know. So um, I need to start doing that for for sure. Mm. Definitely recording my my demonstrations at least. Um, and even if it is lectures, I mean, there are times when students can probably benefit from that, um, sort of my front loading. So.
1: Yeah, that's it. well, you would think about when you do, when you have a brand new lesson, I always just think about it was in the classroom and, you know, you had, had four times I'm going to teach that lesson in, in a day. And yes. it was usually like num- by number three, I had it dialed. You got through the, the little hiccups and yeah. the technology issues and everything. And so, that, and, and then you think about it, anytime we've done anything for a credential or anything, you're always recording yourself, right? Mm-hmm. To be evaluated. And what a cool resource for your students to have. So. Let's go. Let's go that way a little bit. So now you're in this even more kind of bizarre reality, right? Because and you 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 talked about it a little bit here already, where you have now you have students back in the seats, mm-hmm. but you have students still at home. Mm-hmm. So what? Maybe elaborate a little bit. What have been some of those challenges? You said that's been difficult.
0: It has been difficult. Um, I think at first, well, the first week was just seniors, which was great, um, but it was hard because I want to see all my students. and so it's difficult because I see faces. I get instant responses now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like you know the patiently waiting for them to type out their their response in the chat or whatever it may be. So having that kind of instant response or that instant like I can ask a question and get instant responses. that instantaneous, you know aspect of the the in person is, it's refreshing and it is also like, okay, this is great. I'm actually getting something versus back when we were f- totally virtual and it just be crickets, like silence, radio silence and all you, you just, you're either waiting for somebody to unmute or you're waiting for the chat to mm-hmm. pop up. And so having that, that, you know, human response has been really refreshing But at the same time, it took a while for me to, like, get used to the AB schedule as well because I'm seeing some students on this day and then another set of students on another day. Mm. And then I'm I'm not used to thinking, okay, what your last name starts with this or you should be here or you should be there. So that's been a little bit of a difficult thing just to see different students for the same class but different students on different days.
1: Oh yeah, because it's not like a regular block where you would see them every other day, but it's the same class, right? And then what about the Zoom kids? Are they every other day as well?
0: The Zoom kids are—I uh, mean, they are always on Zoom. So it's th- mm-hmm. they're either they're you know if I have them Tuesday, Thursday, they're always going to be on Zoom Tuesday, Thursday. Okay. But then the in-person kids will be on Zoom, you know, on Tuesday, and then in-person on Thursday. And then the ones that are on Zoom on Thursday that are in-person are in-person. It's just it's <laughs> it's kind of like a weird thing where I I haven't quite wrapped my brain around it yet, Mm -hmm. Um, but it is really nice to see students. And I just feel like sometimes the people in person are quick to respond, so much more quick to respond that the Zoom kids are still typing their Mm -hmm. answer. So like there's that kind of a disconnect there where I already am like, but they already, okay, thank you for your, your answer. You also got it correct too. Mm. But, you know, so it's just that like, it's hard, it's hard to kind of like match the, the timing of it mm-hmm. um, and like, you know, orchestrate it where it's, it runs smoothly cause it doesn't. And then so we're,
1: we're ready for kids to come back, right? Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> definitely. <laughs>
1: I talked to a lot of teachers that I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine that, Mm-mm. you know, but, but to your credit putting that much precision and, and being engaged with your students and recognizing, I think everybody recognizing right now, like we all have to have grace, right? We all, we're, oh, this is new for everybody in the mm-hmm. entire country, the yes. planet. And so it's interesting just to hear that, that back and forth. Cause it almost sounds like what I hear you saying, it's, it almost could be easy to, feel like you're ignoring your zoom kids, mm-hmm. right? Because you, and even just, just from a, a social emotional standpoint that you have faces in front of you and bodies in the room. And so you're naturally going to gravitate to them, especially considering you haven't had kids for a year and a half, Yep. but you have this whole population.
0: And we have, I mean, you know, at first we thought we might have like three, four kids in a classroom. My senior class, I have like 15 kids. Oh wow. So it's great. It's like almost like a full class again. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely nice to have humans and I definitely want them to come back. I, I didn't really, I mean, I think we all kind of got used to working from home Mm -hmm. and like getting into that groove. We got used to it. You know, I know every teacher can probably agree, like being able to use the restroom when you want and not have to run across campus to do it has been amazing. It was amazing. And so that's probably like the biggest hiccup of having to go back to school. But it's so much better just to be able to engage with these kids. I mean, I I felt like I built relationships with them over Zoom. Mm -hmm. But being able to see them in person and like actually I just feel like they're getting it, they're more engaged. Mm-hmm. I know they're more engaged. I could see them being engaged versus knowing that they were playing games or you know watching YouTube or whatever it was that they were doing alongside of sitting in a Zoom. Mm-hmm. They can't do that anymore. So they have to be engaged <laughs> now, which is great. And I can see them, I can help them. I can actually walk over and be like, how can I help you? It's just, it's such an amazing, it's just, it's so much better. I can't wait for everyone to be back. Yep. <laughs>
1: We're almost there. It's like I so know. nice every day with it as that case rate drops and things keep opening up. It's so exciting. Yeah, in some sense of normalcy. But so, tell me about your your colleagues. I mean, do you have? Is there a lot? I mean, you obviously, you've been there from the beginning. So you're Mm -hmm. building a school and a small thematic school, which is, you know, for the audience that doesn't know, is not like a large traditional high school. It's very focused on on an industry sector. You don't have any sports, right?
0: We do not. um, I think that they're going to have some clubs. I think they're starting some basketball clubs and things like that, but we don't have any sports.
1: So you're this very unique model and you're building in year three a global pandemic hits. So what what has it been like collaborating, not just the pandemic, but really in building this school with your colleagues? What has that been like?
0: It has been, I think that it has, all it's done is brought all of us closer together. Um, I think that everyone understands that it is a new school and that everyone knows that um, we are building it. And so everything that happens, and because we're small, everybody gets along really well. We've got everyone, you know, works on different teams together. So whether it be a grade level team or um, a club or whatever it may be, there's a lot of like, you know, cross crossover. So for example, if it's like a, a, a junior teacher, right, an 11th grade teacher and I teach 9th and 12th grade, but we are both club advisors for something. You know, there's just a lot of like bridging and everybody is – like we literally – we have like a group chat where like we love our coworkers. Like we (laughs) really do. And it's just such a great – it's really nice to come to work and know that you get along with everybody and that you're happy to see everybody and that you know we, we genuinely care about each other and care about the school and care about putting as much effort into building it to be as great as it can possibly be because we know it's still in the works. We're still putting things together. There's still a lot of work to still be done, but it's been really great knowing that like every teacher is on board.
1: It's really neat. And the kids sense that, right? I mean... Absolutely. Yeah. It, 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 when you work in a school where teachers are competitive and they're not collaborative and they kind of are in their own island, you're going to feel that, you know, down in the classroom as a student, I feel like. Um, so is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to share about your experience or your school?
0: Um. The, well... The one thing that we do have at our school that I haven't touched on is that we do have a CTSO that we're a part of. It's called CCAP, and CCAP stands for Careers in Culinary Arts Program, and it's this really great program um, that, we, that we have been a part of for the past, I want to say, three years. Hmm. So it's really great, and um, essentially what it is is every student that is in the culinary arts Pathway, they are a, a CCAP student and um, they're a part of this CTSO. And so the other chef, chef, staff, and I, we are the um, chef instructors with CCAP. And essentially, they have, they provide all of these amazing programs and events and volunteer opportunities for our students. They also have a competition where students that are really genuinely involved in this particular pathway and really want to. Um, <clears throat> Go to post-secondary in culinary or hospitality. They can participate in this competition, where they can earn like a full ride scholarship to a culinary school. Wow. So this year we have three students that participate, three seniors that participated. One of them got a full ride scholarship to um, ICE in Pasadena for. Um, the, I think it's the Culinary and Restaurant Management Program. So she's going to go there and get – it's fully paid for. She's going to go mm-hmm. there for the uh, a diploma program. And then the, another student got like a $4,000 scholarship just towards any college they want to go to. Wow. And then another student got $2,000 for participating in these cooking competitions.
1: And so is that kind of like a – Future Farmers of America or HOSA, the health thing. It's like one of those. It's just not necessarily. It's just culinary.
0: Yeah, it's just culinary. And so they, I mean, they have these great events where um, they're volunteer opportunities. So they get chefs from all over and, you know, it could be like going and feeding the homeless. And like, I think when they did it last time, um, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm like blanking on his name (laughs) right now, but the lead singer of the Foo Fighters was there. I know you know. Ah.
1: He just did like a benefit too. Yeah. Um Dave Roll. Yes,
0: Dave Roll was there. I think it's like one of he's like one of the, the main um I don't know if it's like a host or donator or founder of this thing. And then there's just like, you know, like Duff Goldman and like all of these like really renowned chefs Hmm. participate in these events. So the kids get to work alongside them and like feed homeless people or, you know, it might be a benefit where um, it's like a fundraiser and, you know, all of these really amazing restaurants and chefs all over LA come to feed, you know, these people for these events and then they get to work alongside them. And learn a little bit about their restaurants too, and so there are all these amazing opportunities for the kid, these kids. Like we went to another thing where Roy Choi, you know, he started this new series called Broken Bread, and we we were basically like the runners for his food trucks, and like the kids were just feeding all of the the people there. But they also got to like go and meet him and talk to him, and so it's just a really great program. This, if you're really into, I mean, in LA is got a food scene. And so, you know, I have network of people. Chef Steph has a network of people. Like we know a lot of people in Los Angeles. So we try and like bring guest speakers and um, guest chefs and things like that too. So it's been, it's really great program for somebody that is really passionate. You know, even if you watch Netflix, like we know people that are competing in, in all of these or judges or whatever it may be. And it's kind of neat to like get that like connection with the students cause they're instantly like, Oh wow, these are like real people <laughs> that you know, you can actually meet. It's so it's 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 a pretty cool experience. That's awesome. That's yeah. super
1: exciting. I think that that uh, that the power of career technical education. You know, it, it, back in the day, it's like oh, this is just trade school, and it's not. I mean, not only do you bring your experience from the real world, but you have all this this network, and I mean, you be able to connect students with. With like you said, people who are in the industry actually doing this work, and we talk about engaging students and letting them kind of see what the future is. You're giving them that huge picture. I always think about. I used to tell my kids, and most of this is audio right now, but you know they're looking through this pinhole in their world, and they don't realize that the world is so much bigger. It's you know it's massive, and so right. you're giving them that look now. How awesome in preparing them for what they're gonna do. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It sounds like there's some amazing things happening at Browning, um, and we look forward to revisiting down the road. Um, Just so our audience knows, we're working on some new projects with Browning that will be coming out over the next year once we're all back and stuff. So thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me. It was really fun talking to you.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. This has been another episode of the Proud to Be LBSD podcast series. If you like this episode or are interested in hearing future episodes, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at lbschools.net slash YouTube or listen wherever you access podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at LBSchools, IG at Long USD, and on Facebook at Long Beach Unified School District. We'll see you next time.